Welcome to the Rare Earth Podcast, a place where I bring in rare individuals to have rare conversations. My name is Manoj, your host, and now let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Rare Earth Podcast. One of my goals with this podcast is to bring people who are from extremely diverse background, people who are really smart, so knowledgeable, people whom we can uh, learn a lot from. Preeti Casey Reddy, who is the guest on my podcast for this episode, is one such special person. Just to give you a little background, she is an industrial engineer by qualification, but she actually went on to work as an investment banker in, with Goldman Sachs. Then she went on to work in a VC firm called A16Z, where she really got introduced to the idea of cryptocurrency. From there, she went on to become a software engineer, worked with Coinbase, and then went on to start her own company called True Story, where she was the CEO and the founder. And today, uh, she is uh, spending most of her time teaching everything about uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. So my conversation with her in this uh, episode is definitely not on cryptocurrency and blockchain. Well, this conversation uh, will be focusing specifically on how to really learn, uh, the art of really learning and how to really get good at it. One of the things I really like about uh, Preeti is uh, she is extremely good at breaking down complex concepts with a beginner's mindset, which means uh, if you're somebody who wonders how, how things function, how things work, then this conversation could really trigger in breaking down and understanding and learning. In the beginning of this episode, you may feel there is a little bit of sound disturbances, but it, it just gets better in the later part of the conversation. So just bear with that. So without taking much time, uh, let's get started with this episode with the one and only Preeti Casey Reddy. Preeti, so I got to learn, uh, you know, uh, a lot from people from uh, Twitter, actually, over the last two to three years, uh, I really uh, got to connect with a lot of interesting people from Twitter, including yourself. And interestingly, some of the big names in Twitter, uh, like Nawal Ravikant, uh, he was the first person who actually reshared one of your tweets. And I, I happened to notice you. So I've been following your work for the last one and a half years. And I really, really find it very fascinating. Yeah, so of course. thank you for putting it. out your work out there. And uh, so uh, one of the questions I want to start off with, because people, you have so many various backgrounds, you've worn multiple hats, you know, you've been uh, the CEO of True Story, uh, you are um, industrial and systems engineer, you worked in the, you work in the cryptocurrency space, you work in, uh, you're very passionate about health and fitness, uh, you're very passionate about learning, uh, you know, so, uh, and the, the very fact that the ability to learn and teach is something you're very passionate about. Sure. So we're going to dive a little deep into that. But my first question is when uh, someone who doesn't know about you or, you know, uh, people haven't heard of you in Twitter. So, and you stumble into somebody in the gym <laughs> and they ask you, what do you exactly do, for, do a living? for a living? How do you well, answer currently that I'm actually not doing anything for a living. Um, if I have to be totally honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, previously, I mean, I've kind of took on various different roles, as you said, uh, I was, um, when I was in college, I was a software engineer, but, uh, sorry, I was an industrial engineer, but I was also, I knew from a very young age that I kind of was interested in a lot of different subjects and topics. And so, um, engineering wasn't enough for me or didn't feel enough for me in college. So I decided to double major in business. Um, and that got me into sort of the whole business crowd and understanding like the business people 
And to me, when I was in college, um, you know, engineers are very smart, but they're not like necessarily like, I didn't think they were like that fun. Um, I know that sounds super cliche, but at least that, that was my perception in college. You know, we were more nerdy, but then the business people were more like, they were just, they just had a different type of energy to them that I really liked. And so that's what got me pursuing business and then eventually finance just on the side. And then um, long story short, I um, fell into the investment making crowd at school. And then uh, my dream was to get a job at Goldman Sachs. So I studied really hard for those interviews and uh, ended up getting an internship there. So that was my first way in which I made money um, out of college was I was an investment banker at Goldman Sachs. Um, and I was in the tech division in San Francisco. And that's what also brought me out to Silicon Valley because I went to school at USC. So I was in LA, but I came out to Silicon Valley after college. Um, and after that, I mean, I don't know if you want me to get into this, but I've taken, taken on various different roles um, from investment banking to venture capital, um, then to becoming a software engineer, and then eventually uh, starting my own company and being the CEO. And then, yeah, that was kind of the last thing that I've done. <laughs> wow. Uh, so I really feel I'm, I'm talking with somebody who's got a background I have no clue in. That <laughs> you're, you're in a space which I have no understanding about. But uh, I think the fundamental principles and the, the way that you learn about yeah. things is what I want to really uh, dig a little deep on. So, so thank you really for joining this conversation. So uh, I'm a subscriber to your newsletter. And, you know, I, I think you really... Uh, I find it immensely valuable. There are a lot of things that you put in there. And, um, but before that, I want to start with your YouTube video. Uh, you did a series on, you yeah. know, um, how to learn. Okay. And uh, obviously the content was fantastic. I really loved it. Uh, I, I wish you continue doing that, but I want to start with something, which is the, the brain fart moments that you put in. Uh, I, I find it very interesting that you were really, very open to putting behind the scenes at the end of the thing. And it was fun watching that. But I'm curious why okay, you were reasons. so open One to sharing that, that in the video. When I was a young kid, I used to watch Bollywood movies and or movies in general. And I loved it when um, sh TV shows or, uh, sorry, when movies and shows kind of showed the, the behind the scenes stuff because I felt like it gave you a more authentic look at like what was happening. And to me, that was more interesting than the actual like, right. you know, the play that's being played on TV. <laughs> So I figured like, you know, I, I thought it was a cool touch. And then as I started doing it, I just really enjoyed it because I just wanted to kind of show that, you know, there's not like, you know, everything looks perfect on, on TV when you cut and paste and edit it. But then, you know, there's so many funny or, or just embarrassing moments behind the scenes. And it's, it's sort of a process. Yeah, I, th I think that was, that was really interesting because uh, as you rightly stated, it gives that sense of authenticity to what you're doing. And, you know, it's, it, it makes us believe that, okay, this perfect, the person is not exactly so perfect as it seems like, but there is uh, things exactly. which she is also working hard towards. So that was really nice. You know, I've read somewhere that, you know, to really learn, uh, we need to read. Uh, to understand, we need to write. And to master something, you need to teach. Okay, and you really are on a mission to... Mm -hmm. you know, teach people what you learn. Okay. And your approaches, uh, when you're actually sharing your content out there, it seems like uh, you, you go with the beginner's mindset. So people, when they actually are reading, they can say, Oh, you know what? I can understand this. So what drove you to be so passionate about um, teaching and learning? I guess it was 
just my own frustration with not finding good articles online. So my, my writing really started with writing about engineering. So I was explaining things like how did the internet work or um, how do you like various JavaScript concepts and things about like closures or Docker. So I was kind of like explaining engineering related stuff. And at the time, I think I was honestly just trying to explain it in a way that's easy to understand because I remember when I first started coding, reading everything I read was just like even over my head. And that led to me being frustrated. And then that led to me giving up. And I felt like there's this huge gap between like the super, super beginner and then the more advanced where like that middle ground is not being covered where you know a little bit, but you don't know everything. And like a lot of these blog posts don't really tie the tie the loose ends between like how to explain things. And I felt like it could be done better. And so it was just, I started doing it and I, I guess I was really good at it. And then um, I just kind of continued on that path. When people want to start something, you know, a new to learn, okay, uh, we are in a, st- we are in a phase wherein there's a, a ton of information out there. There's an information overload. So how do we really identify, uh, you know, what would be a good source to really go and learn from? What, what's the methodology? Is there an approach to it or um, is it like trial and error? I would say it, it, I think it's a tough question because I think there, there's two ways to go about it. One is like you, you kind of, you know, you have an idea or you have a startup or you have a passion, in which case your energy is directed in a single direction because why would you spend time, like if you're passionate about basketball, why would you spend time learning about like, I don't know, like, sailing or something it, it just doesn't make sense right so like if you want to get really good at basketball maybe you should focus your energy on learning about basketball um same thing with any like intellectual subject right if you're super passionate about um ai like why would you spend hours and hours and hours of time reading about crypto spend your time reading about ai so you can become an, an expert in that but there's a lot of people who don't know what their passions are and you know they read a bunch of things and everything looks interesting to them Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but I think because that, because like, you know, having a breadth of knowledge also is useful in some context, but I think at some point, if you just keep reading everything, I think at some point you'll, a person starts to feel a bit lost because there's no progress being made in any one direction. At least that's what I've noticed. If I spend a lot of time just Mm. learning about too many things at once, and I just feel like it's it's interesting in the moment but then in the long run there's no real progress being made in any direction so then like i think at some point you do just have to like really focus on one thing at a time or a couple things at a time and then once you feel like you've gotten deep enough in that and you're almost like bored of reading about that or or i don't know like whatever it is then you move on to the next thing so yeah there's no right or wrong answer but i would say if i had to pick i would say like you know it's I think it's often more rewarding to go deep into one thing rather than just go very shallow into like five things. Mm. Right. Uh, you, you were, uh, when you were, uh, you know, learning to dance and uh, you had mentioned in one of your uh, blog posts that while you were trying to learn uh, dancing, you struggled in the beginning uh, with, a sp- with a specific teacher. And uh, later you, you came to understand that it was actually not the teacher per se, it's the style of teaching. And, and then you said, you know, uh, there's a style of learning. So uh, 
does it matter earlier on my question to you is does everyone has a different uh, learning style and teaching style and uh, does the style change from topic to topic so if i were to learn a dance then my learning approach is very different compared to if i were to learn crypto uh, or or the or the model of learning remains oh, the same for I a person yeah. or so given person obviously i think it's well known by now and that well researched that there's different learning styles everyone learns somewhat differently and i think it's not necessarily that a person can't learn in different in all different styles it's that what are what have they um gravitated towards the most or find most comforting i guess because some people for example learn in imagery really well other people prefer just pure text um other people prefer like you know mm-hmm. very like verbal um type of learning other people prefer something hands on so um whatever comes easy and is comfortable to you i think is what your learning style is and then um does it change between things to things i think like generally not so like you'll find you'll it's it's rare to find someone who you know who is incredibly like a mathematical genius and learns in sort of numbers but that person can also um you know do something very out, like i guess subjective um and and they it's not that they can't but they they're going to apply a more objective approach to learning something that's more subjective whereas like um like you i guess what i'm trying to say is like if you're a scientist like learning art is a little bit harder because your learning style is different um whereas like and if you're an artist trying to learn like a scientist it's just your brain is not trained to think that way it's not that it can't it's just not trained to think that way so even for me you know i was i, I would classify myself more as a technologist in the science world um that's what i was really good at since i was a young age so that's what i decided to pursue because it's not that i can't do the artistic stuff it's just that it didn't come naturally to me and i was not i didn't i wasn't comfortable in it so i trained my brain to think in a more analytical way for you know two decades and so for me to learn something like dance was actually very very challenging um because like dancers are you know mm. most dancers start when they're young right and they have so and they they pick dance because it's a very like feeling emotion in your body type of thing and you you learn by by sort of feeling it's not there's nothing written there's nothing like there's no formulas you learn by mm. feeling and that's very 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 that was a very novel thing for me um so when i was trying to learn from some of these teachers like you said like some of them i just couldn't understand like what they were describing um what are these things that you're supposed to like it was very like it was it was just not a type of learning that i that i ever had and then i discovered one teacher who kind of broke it down in a very objective way like she she turned because belly dance is very like it's like not codified there's no like there's no like even like names there's no like sequences it's very fluid i would say but she kind of mm-hmm. took the art and and tried to codify it into you know classify into different movements and how this movement works where it originates from where it goes from whereas like a lot of the original egyptian dancers that i was learning from they were just like oh you just like do this and you feel it this way and it's supposed to feel this way and you're like okay but and if you grew up in the western world you're not used to just like very like oh it's supposed to feel this way it's more like you know like especially even sports <laughs> right like you 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 even like how how scientific have we gotten with even like the sports 
like we, we analyze mm. like exactly how runners yeah. are striking their heel or 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 um forefoot and then you know we analyze sports in such a objective way so um yeah like i think like for someone to switch their learning styles it's it's not easy but it's not to say it can't be done um you can do it mm. it just takes training and you have to spend just as much time as you trained your um, other learning style in learning this style and also also finding the right kind of uh, teacher who yeah. can understand yeah, your exactly. style of learning too right i think and uh, while doing some research on you i discovered that you've been a, a very cerebral person like you you've been a straight a student from a very early on in your life uh, very driven very uh, disciplined uh, you you had a very good structure to your approach early on uh, which which is not something we see very commonly so uh, what would you attribute that style of you organizing yourself and that drive to really do well academically or was it yeah i mean uh, there was indian definitely roots? some indian roots to it because or... i think when you grow up in a in a in an indian family it's like you know going like schooling is 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 it's considered important um and like that's how you sort of mm. make it in life that's what's considered successful right how do how do indian parents compare their kids it's very like it's 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 awful that they do this but they compare it based on whether they become a doctor or a lawyer or whatever so When I was young age I thought like you know this is how you become successful like that's that that's what I knew because that's what my parents knew right um so to me I had no choice because if I'm like this is my this is my path to success I first want to have to like work hard and be disciplined um and then as I got older of course I started to realize that, that that's not the only path and there's other paths but um I think the drive to 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 do things I think some a lot of times that's innate like you know kids are either sort of driven or they're not driven you can't really put drive and motivation into a person you can you can tell them like how to be like how to sort of be disciplined etc but like the drive has to exist um innately mm, okay could you tell a little little about uh, your your childhood and where you grew up I'll, you know so that yeah, i had a very like your... early on years. weird uh childhood in the sense that i was born in the us but then i my parents sent me to india me and my sister to india alone and we lived uh, basically alone for four years with my aunts and uncles and so we didn't really see our parents for four years um and so we were kind of just in india and just figuring out the world um at a young age with without much supervision and then we came back to america when i was eight and my sister was um she was four or five at the time and then uh and then I lived in Chicago for a brief period and then we moved to New Jersey and uh, I went to sort of middle school and high school in, Jer- in, New Jer- in New Jersey and then I knew that I didn't want to be in the cold because I got so used to my my prim- primitive years in India like I got so used to the heat and, and sunshine that I just couldn't do the winters anymore so I decided to come out to California for college and uh yeah Uh so just shifting gears uh, there was an article uh, which you wrote which was called the seven food myths that I wasted 10 years of my life on and uh, I think that was an exceptional piece uh, uh so I, if I read in that article that you know actually that article is really good for somebody who does not have the time to do a lot of research uh, you know people who are listening to this podcast if if you really don't have the time to do the research i would say go to this specific article uh, you will immensely you know get uh, some ideas on what are the right kind of food to be eaten 
food choices. So, but in that article, you mentioned that uh, until age 14, uh, you were extremely overweight, which is ex- very hard to believe uh, looking at you right now. Uh, so uh, I'm curious, um, there was a mention of a three month trip to Israel uh, with your mom uh, that you mentioned, and that, that was during your summer holidays. So what changed in that trip? Uh, what triggered for you to make a complete new journey towards, uh, you know, getting your fit, I mean, health Yeah, I mean, order. if I had to be totally honest, Fitness I think when order. I was a kid, I was chubby. I was sort of a tomboy type of person. And, uh, but I, I, I knew inside of me that, that I wasn't living my full potential. Um, that, you know, the fact that I would eat that much and like, I love food and I still love food. And I still eat a lot, but I, I knew that like, being fat was not making me like, I didn't have self-confidence because of it. And then, but like, I just loved food too much. I, I loved eating. Right. So then, um, and my parents didn't really like care that I was chubby. Um, so they weren't like a pressure for me. My aunts and uncles were pressures for sure, because, you know, Indian parents are, are pretty, they're, they're pretty blunt about that. But then, um, it has to always come from the self. So even if they made fun of me or said stuff about me, like it didn't really like, it bothered me, but it wasn't like, it wasn't enough to make, uh, force me to make a change. But then when I went to Israel, um, we were there for three months. We were living with my mom there because she was working there. And uh, every day while my mom was at work, me and my sister would go swimming in the pool, in the, in the resort pool that we were we had. And I just like, I don't know, every morning I had to wear a bathing suit and I just didn't like how I looked. And I was like, and I, I would see the other Israeli girls and I was like, like, you know, I want to look like that. And that it was, it was, as, it was as vain and, and simple as that. And, you know, it's just women, women want to look good, right? Like we don't want to like feel uncomfortable in our own body. So I started to feel uncomfortable in my own body. And that's when I decided that this is the time to make a change. I was like, 14, I think, um, when I, I just, I came home and I was like, that's it. Um, we're going to make this happen. What, what did you resolve then? Like, what was your internal dialogue? Like, what did you, uh, how, how were you so determined? What, what, what I, was your I don't remember. I just know that I, I wanted this. And then, um, I think the, there was not much internal conversation. It was just like a decision. And then what kept me going was when I started to see results, right? Like it's like I lost weight and then I can finally wear clothes mm. I've always dreamed of wearing. And, um, you know, boys at school started to pay attention to me. And uh, like when you, when you have like these, these rewards that come from doing something, you, you want to keep doing it. So, I mean, it's, this is very true for any fat loss journey, right? Like um, why does someone continue to go lose weight on a fat loss journey or or let's flip the question: Why do people fail to lose fat? It's because they're not put, they're not feeling the rewards um, of it because they're not structuring their program in the right way. But if they structure their program in the right way and they actually do lose weight, then there's such high rewards to that that your brain has no no desire to go back to the old state. Yeah, and, and maybe uh, sometimes it may not be the reward. It may be the, I think the initial feeling that you had where you really were not accepting what was the condition and you wanted to change that. So maybe sometimes it's good to be really in a spot where yeah, people have to exactly. change the only way, right? So uh, so I want to talk about uh, True Story. Uh, I think uh, a social, it, it was a company which was a social network that enabled uh, to debate on uh, 
it, it was mostly on productive debate right so could you tell a little bit uh, um, yeah so we were building a so the premise was that right now conversations on the internet um they don't have much a lot of them are just they lack authenticity and we felt that the reason that they lack authenticity is because there's no skin in the game for you to lie or tell the truth um it's kind of like i mean actually there's probably more benefit to you to lie than tell the truth but um we just felt like something was missing where you know someone on twitter can go online and just say something and it can go viral even if it's not true and we felt like there's no and there's no system where someone can come in and say that's wrong and the person actually gets penalized for it um and we figured that like a cool way to kind of change how conversation works online is if like if we can almost create like a a a record of what everyone says and then some kind of weight on how truthful that thing actually is and crypto would be the perfect mm. um approach to to doing this because crypto allows us to like program money and in, in, in like into the internet into the conversations so that was that was true story we, we were building a platform where people can debate and say and make arguments but those arguments would be um either upvoted or downvoted by the community to show you a sense of like truthfulness in that argument or agreement in that argument and like i guess salience in that argument um yeah so that was while reading one of the articles you had mentioned that um, if you have a good job finding your passion is very hard okay and that was in the context uh, so i want to understand when you were doing really well in your career you you had uh, you know you were working for goldman sachs and you went on to uh, work in the you know coding and things like that you you were doing fairly well in your you know corporate career so how did you make yeah, a shift from that to it was it was just curiosity um i think i wanted to just uh like i i i wasn't fully happy just being an employee and i don't think i was a good employee either um even uh brian armstrong will tell you the same thing like i i was i was i'm you know i was incredibly smart but i was just not a good employee i was more like um i'm an introvert i don't like to necessarily like i'm 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 more like i guess like um i'm more interested in just creating something that that's that's mine um versus like being a cog if that makes sense um and mm. and so if i'm not a good employee what other options do i have but to be an entrepreneur so i decided to go out and try it i mean i don't know maybe i i i wouldn't have succeeded and in fact we did shut down but it i think it was like the best decision ever because it gave me the opportunity to actually like go out in the world and see what it's like to try to build something from scratch Mm-hmm. Speaking about uh, true story so you did mention that while hiring people you know uh, don't look look for smartness alone you know we got to look for people who can really get things done uh, so my question to you is how did you come to that realization you know what what qualities yeah, um, did you look for hiring is something you know, that you don't, you can read it all about but you won't learn it until you actually start doing it but uh one of my first hires that didn't work out was he was an incredibly smart genius engineer um when he put his thinking cap on but it was incredibly difficult for him to actually put his thinking cap on because he just he was just he was just all over the place lack discipline um you know like had 
his own issues with his girlfriend and he has a kid and it was just like there was there was no consistency there so like there'd be moments of sunshine where like he would just bang out like the best code you ever seen but then like the rest of the day that's like what happened um so then that's not that's not conducive to a startup because you know your things are happening week or week and you need to be making progress week over week you can't have someone who just like decides to you know sometimes come in sometimes not come in it's so like discipline is so important it doesn't intelligence intelligence only gets you so far there's so many you know genius like nobodies in the world you know they sit there and they read you know tons and tons Mm -hmm. of books but what what have they actually accomplished um so i believe like you know i actually i would rather prefer like a disciplined person slightly less intelligent than the intelligent person who's not disciplined That's a great point though. I think, um, yeah, uh, interviews can be very tricky because people can come across extremely smart, uh, but uh, are they going to yeah. really do the work is where you can That's test why that. We, and... used to do, uh, we used to do one week work trials where but, um, basically the process would be that you would apply and then we would interview you for the first round. If you pass that, then you can you are you are invited to like a one week um work trial where you work with us for a week and you're paid for that week and we give you a project that's part of the code base already and so you're just you're actually you're, you it's basically like you being it's like your first day on the job and you have like one week to kind of show us what you got um we're not like super harsh but we give you this project to work on and it's just a way for not only us to understand like how it is to work with you um um, on like a, a single coding test, but more like throughout the whole week, including like, you know, how do we, how do we enjoy having like lunch conversations with you? How, what's your like um, culture, right? Like there's that culture fit that you really need. And that one week work trial really gave us the ability to analyze whether that person um, culturally meets, uh, fits, fits our needs. And oftentimes, the, the, sometimes we'd have people who like were brilliant engineers and we'd go through the one week work trial and, we love their output. We love their code, but we just, we didn't see the culture fit. So we had to reject it. Um, so yeah, it was very helpful. Hmm. So, so overall it was a good, good success. Yeah. Uh, experiment uh, I, I would, I, if I started a company again, I'd definitely do that. Okay. <laughs> and, um, uh, since you worked with uh, true story and the, the, the whole uh, philosophy behind it was, uh, to really debunk, uh, you know, fake news and to really uh, get people to have a shift in mindset when they're actually consuming data and looking at, you know, any information. So has that translated into the way you operate since then after true story, still your approach, when you actually read information, do you filter from the lens? Of oh yeah. It totally changed it how I read on the internet. How, because, how it? Um, yeah. The more we dug into the claims, the more we realized how, how, um, like, you know, I think a lot of people read articles and they just don't, they don't even think to question anything, but it really taught me to question. I think that's the most valuable thing it, it, it taught me. It taught me to question everything and, and not just accept it. Cool. Uh, Preeti, you mentioned uh, about role models, you know, um, it keeps changing based on which mm-hmm. phase of life you're in. Okay. So, uh, could you please uh, tell us uh, your initial role models who were there and, you know, who are your current uh, role models or the people you really appreciate? The yeah, my definition of role model now? also changed um, in the, over the years. I think when I was younger, this is common amongst 
I think most people is like you would you would create ideals out of your role models it almost become like your heroes and I think um I think that's a false that's actually a bad way to do it because you once you get to know you know they say don't get to know your heroes like um like you realize that everyone has like maybe one or two or three things that's like amazing about them but there's a lot of flaws too so I don't really like the the name role model even anymore because people aren't role models to me right now um to be honest I think it's more that I look at people that are successful in certain ways and I take one thing that they're really good at and and I use that as a model to perhaps strive towards but I don't think there's one single person that I believe is like holistically like perfect um yeah one size fits all okay but uh, so who who are some of the people I told you I, again like I don't have role models um uh, I don't and I, I that's not how I operate anymore um my 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 role models is me just searching out for the truth and finding things that I find inspirational but there's no single person that I consider a role model okay what are some of the books which uh, have you know uh, had the maximum impact or the most influenced your way of thinking i, I know you you must have read uh, quite a book number of books but then uh, are there any a uh, book that comes to your mind there's a few that i read this year that you can really, um, really come to mind i really liked psychology of money by morgan housel i think that was an amazing book highly recommend everyone read mm-hmm. it it took me a couple hours so it's a very quick read um another book that i really enjoyed is uh what is that uh oh man i'm like blanking um yeah while i think about the name uh let's see what else did i read that recently that's really resonated um i'm reading one right now that it, i think is going to really change how i think about food and nutrition because um as you might know i'm i'm really passionate about food i'm really passionate about nutrition i post about it all the time on my instagram um and i'm reading this book called deep nutrition yes. it's a very large book but it is so good so far i'm only like one like 5% of the way in but i feel like that's going to be a really um transformational book for me mm okay yeah. uh, i'll i'll let you search the book that you're reading uh so in case it pops in just let me know uh so um you cu- you currently run a private yeah. community called as discord Okay, so I have uh, two questions related to that. Um, what is it like to work with people from diverse background from different countries? So Discord gives you access to people in real time. You you have a small private community, so it's not just you know one way communication where you're putting something on YouTube or Twitter. So here you're actually interacting with people who are a uh, you know who really want to learn, who want to really be part of that smaller group. And uh, oh, that's just Discord, that's the name the of the app. Discord is a is a well known. It's like a Slack type app. Yeah. Oh okay okay no, no. okay I thought it was the community's name itself okay okay cool uh so yeah uh, so how, how was it working with pe- people you know in real time I mean I I really enjoy backwards? it I think like we have we actually have a very diverse group of people I mean it's mostly tech it's tech technology people but you know a lot some of them are interested in finance some of them are interested in crypto and so it's it's been it's been amazing and it kind of reminds me of the early day like sort of what we the slack that we had at true story because we had a true story slack um where people can come in and contribute ideas and we debate about them 
So it's a very similar feel. So it's kind of like reliving that memory. Uh, and uh, oh, is is it just one way of uh, you know sharing information, or uh, you you are getting to learn some new things? Oh yeah, I, I learned so much. It's, they teach me so much. In fact, I, they probably teach me more than I teach them at this point. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, so Preeti, I'm just okay. gonna shift to the last segment of the podcast. Uh, I know you, you're a little tight on time, so I'm gonna keep it short. Uh, you are actually. Um, working on a course actually uh, which is called as the step by step intro to cryptocurrency okay and uh, i've subscribed to the program itself yeah. and uh, and it's a free course that's the best part so your uh, this course helps people to understand the whole uh, cryptocurrency but you're actually taking to the fundamentals you're uh, taking to the history of money okay so could you uh, throw some light about this uh, program um, this course and uh, so who it's can sign free up for it? anyone can sign up and i launched it a couple months ago but if you sign up now you'll just get the the sequence in order from the beginning. Um, and honestly, it's sort of a course that I've been wanting to write for years, ever since I first came into crypto. It's sort of like something I've wanted to do. Um, and I finally have the opportunity to actually write it because this year I, um, as I said, I haven't um, pursued, I haven't started a new company or anything. So it's been my time to write this course. And basically what it does is I think there's a lot of crypto books out there. There's a lot of intro to crypto articles and stuff. You can read all that. But what was missing for me is sort of like taking a more like historical concept and kind of walking us through the history of time of how finance evolved and how money evolved. So my course is designed where I literally start from the very beginning of like, what is money? How did money start? Um, what were the different forms of money? And then I spent a chunk of time talking about the history of banking in the US because I think it's super important to understand that if we're gonna if we're gonna build a better system than what we have today, you have to understand what the system is today and how it evolved and what what types of events that it had to kind of overcome. For example, we had to overcome the Great Depression, we had to overcome the Great Inflation, we had to go overcome the Great Recession. All of these periods were tests to the banking system. So I kind of walk people through that history of, of what happened um, in the last hundred years. And then finally um, getting to talking about crypto and how that started and then getting into Bitcoin, actually explaining what Bitcoin is, Ethereum and so forth. We haven't gotten to that part yet, but we're just finishing up the history of central banking. Yeah. Uh, why do you feel uh, this is an important why? subject because to be shared? Crypto with has a chance at really changing how our financial system works and and finance basically rules the world right like money rules the world um it's the biggest market in the world um and so if crypto has a chance of actually i don't know if it'll outright replace the current system or if it will create an alternative system we don't know what the future holds but it'll i know that it will have it will play some big role in the future of how finance works and so it's going to impact everyone in the world. Crypto is going to one day impact everyone. So it's kind of like, why wouldn't you want to know about this? Why wouldn't you not want to know about how like the key thing that drives everything in the world, which is money and the financial system, why wouldn't you want to know how that works? Because if you know how it works, it empowers you to not be a slave to the system, but actually, you know, like be, be like a sovereign individual, as they say. Mm. 
Yeah, and I think uh, your course definitely uh, equips people uh, with the knowledge and understanding. Uh, so when when they actually hear cryptocurrency in future, maybe at least it won't be as vague yeah. because their fundamentals will be uh, sorted. Uh, so I hope I hope uh, it it works for the people who subscribe. So, uh, is there any specific no. background people have we to have? You can be a really... beginner. You can be a beginner. Um, so it's as long as you. The only requirement is that you have. 10 minutes a week to actually sit down and read 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 an email because these are not short emails <laughs> and i'm not trying to make the bite-sized emails that you can right. skim in in three seconds because to be honest like to understand crypto you have to be somewhat knowledgeable and you have to care and you have to actually dig into history and you have to take the time so like i'm trying to teach the audience that's willing to take the time to actually learn absolutely i think that's true. That's true. I think every email of yours it, it yeah. itself uh, can be a mini book. That, that's it's it's quite a long one though. So uh, and uh, I'm glad that you're doing the research. So we we don't have to do the hard work. We get the, the precise information. Thank you for that. <laughs> Uh, so we are here in 2021 now, and uh, we just gone past 2020. Um, any big lessons when you look back uh, on 2020? Yeah, I, don't, I think we can lose here for an hour um, talking about this. But I guess a big thing that we all learned <laughs> is, you know, I think this was interesting because this year, um, it was the first time that people at large started to sense, um, started to feel a sense of distrust in. And in like governments and larger organizations from like a larger group of people. Whereas before, you know, there was people shouting on Twitter about how awful some of these larger institutions and government people are, but like not everyone thought that. So now you, you're entering this new era where like no one knows who to trust. No one knows what's next. Uh, no one knows what the future holds. You know, 10 years ago, I think everyone can sit and like kind of dream of a future because everything was going well. And you can, when, when things are, when things are moving in a, in a positive direction, your brain has the ability to actually be like, Oh, okay. So like, of course it's going to keep going in that direction. But now we're kind of like, we're, we're not moving anywhere. 2020 was, was a year where we were just kind of like, it almost feel like what's next. And so our brains are just trying to make sense of it. And I think, the fact that we all and everyone in the world collectively did that together, I think that's crazy. Um, and I think what the future holds is uh, the people who are brave enough to go out and actually figure out that what's next and figure out what's truth and how we evolve from this. Those are the those are kind of the heroes of the 21st century. Right. Uh, so we're starting a brand new year now. Uh, what would be few fundamentals uh, or foundational habits that um, you think a young person will benefit from uh, if they were to, you know, make three changes in their life, uh, you know, as a youngster, somebody who is in their early twenties? Um, Eat real what would food. Those be from your side. Um, because you will, you don't realize how much of a big difference that'll make for you in 10, 20, 30 years from now. Like you're either going to be suffering and in pain because you didn't eat real food or you'll be healthy and happy. Um, so I would say eat real food. Uh, second is move. I think move every day, stay active. I don't think any, like, I, don't, I think like if you stay active, your brain stays active, your body stays active. And again, in 10, 20 years, that'll make a huge difference. Um, and thirdly, I guess, what else would I say? 
So eat whole foods, move. And I guess don't be afraid to don't be afraid to uh, try new things because I think 2021 is a year where you you have the opportunity. Everyone has the opportunity to kind of recreate themselves for the new future almost. And I think if you're stuck in the past, you're gonna you're gonna get run over. So don't be afraid to sort of um, try new things and let go of parts of you that like no longer serve you, basically. True. I think recreate a new you. Okay. <laughs> um, how, how do you define success? There's What's no, um, obviously, success? right or wrong. Everyone defines success in different ways. Some people define success in money, monetary terms. Other people just de define success in terms of children and marriage and family. Um, personally, if I had to be totally honest, I'm, I'm honestly still trying to figure out like what is success for me? Um, because I think in the previous decade of my life, it was very much in, in the tech world and, and uh, in, in, a, in that world. But 2020 really changed. Even, even tech is going to change a lot in 2020 and post-2020. So in a post-2020 world, um, I'm honestly still trying to figure out what success means. Um, and I know a few things of what I definitely want. One is I want family and and children and like a uh like a like a home where i can raise those children that's definitely that would be a huge success for me if i can accomplish that um um but the rest i'm honestly still trying to figure out okay <laughs> thank you Preeti. um i think it, it was a short and uh, yeah a very interesting conversation with you we could really go on, uh, you know, on, on a deep dive on various topics that you really specialize in. Maybe we can think of a round two, but I really appreciate you coming onto the show. And uh, where can um, people find you? They can find me on Twitter you? or um, my website. You can just email me directly through my website. So Twitter is I am underscore Preeti. And then um, that book I mentioned that I read that really changed my perspective is uh, Mind Over Medicine. Yeah, sure. So it's, it's, it, the, the subtitle is called Scientific Proof That You Can Heal Yourself. Basically, it really taught me, mm. A, it kind of taught, this is the Western doctor that started to discover Eastern practices and started to realize how, how much the body has the potential to heal itself and how much, how, how you don't really need drugs and like the pharmacy, the pharmaceutical route you can heal yourself and your body can heal yourself through the mind. And she gives example after example, after example, after example of people who had like the worst illnesses that, and they were able to heal themselves um, through the power of the mind. So it's, it, it's a very good read. So if you, if you have time, I highly recommend you read it. Thank you. Definitely. I think um, uh, all the books and resources you mentioned, I'll okay. definitely add it in the show notes for people to see. And uh, uh, really appreciate Preeti for joining in the conversation. I really had fun talking to you. Uh, any any no, final it. thoughts? Thanks. You want Thanks any parting having... thoughts? All right. Bye. Thank you, Preeti. Thanks. Yeah, you too. Bye. And have a great rest of the year. And that was another episode. <laughs> I'm glad you're listening to the episode and the podcast. If you're really enjoying this, 
do give it a review give do give it a rating i really love that and if you want to look into the show notes uh, please go to my website rarot.com where i have actually put all the description and all the links to the show notes of every episode so do check it out thank you